Welcome to the Shit Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Liz Broder. Are you ready to shoot the shit? Welcome back to the Shit Talk Podcast. It's my one year anniversary episode. I'm thrilled. Episode 43. It's been a year. What a shitty year. And in the best way possible. I obviously meant that in a good way. It's been an amazing year. I want to say it went quickly. I don't necessarily think it did. But then at the same time, looking back, I'm like, oh, I've been doing this for a year. Almost every week. Got 43 episodes out of 52 weeks in a year. It's not bad. Pretty consistent. So for my second year, I will aim for, let's say, if I did 43, let's say 48 episodes next year. That's the goal. We'll circle back November 2024 and see if I hit that. But Obviously, big thank you to anyone who's listening, especially the consistent, loyal listeners, the repeat listeners, besides my mom, because I think she's obligated to listen. Thanks, mom. (laughs) But anyway, it's November 20th. We're headed into the holiday season. Thanksgiving is this week. Then people gear up for Christmas, Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, whatever you celebrate. Now, Today, I'm talking all about that pumpkin spice and everything nice. It's pumpkin spice season. I don't know if you're a pumpkin spice person. I am not. But I got to thinking about it because it's like all over news feeds and social media feeds and whatever, like around Halloween time. And I just was like, where did this come from? I don't, it's just kind of gross to me. I'm not kidding. Last year, I saw pumpkin spice Gouda cheese. There's obviously pumpkin spice latte, but I've seen like ever, like pumpkin spice ice cream, pumpkin spice popcorn. They even have pumpkin spice dog products, pumpkin spice creamers, obviously for your coffee. But like, why do we do this? We find, this is so American. We find something that people like and we exploit it. We slap it on everything, slap a name on everything and try to make money. It's literally so gross. And one of the reasons, biggest reasons, or things broken and wrong with our food system. But I didn't know this, so I took the time to do some research because everyone's always pumpkin spice, pumpkin spice. I'm like, what the fuck actually is pumpkin spice? Because like, I don't think there's any pumpkins in there. Is it orange? I don't know. I, I did some Googling. It's cinnamon, nutmeg, ginger, cloves, and sometimes allspice. Now, that sounds decent, but it doesn't sound like revolutionary. Do you want to know why? It always tastes so good in particular that pumpkin spice latte, because here in America, we add sugar into everything. So pumpkin spice popcorn, pumpkin spice ice cream, your goddamn pumpkin spice latte, all loaded with sugar. Any spice combination with sugar is gonna taste good. In this case, it just happens to be pumpkin spice. In my humble opinion, this whole pumpkin spice thing is a way for Americans to kind of like continue the sugar high from Halloween. Like, oh, it's Halloween. We get all the candy, Halloween's over. Okay, now we're on to pumpkin spice season. We are a nation of literal addicts and I don't know why it's taken so lightly, literally. Like our sugar addiction here, it's normalized because most people seem to have it, but there's nothing normal about it and it's so, so unhealthy and the numbers speak for themselves, unfortunately. But here's some pumpkin spice by the numbers. PSL was introduced by Starbucks in 2003. So a thousand fucking years ago, I was literally 13. 350 million cups have been sold 
since it was created in 2003, which was just a reminder, it's 20 years ago, um, the U.S. pumpkin spice trend grew 79% from 2011 to 2015, and nearly 40% of consumers purchased a pumpkin-flavored item in 2014 alone. 40%. Interestingly enough, though, according to Nielsen, fresh pumpkin sales actually dropped in 2011, 2013, and 2014. So it's not that we're, like, seeking out the actual vegetable where you're going to get vitamin A and you're going to get some minerals and some fiber. We're seeking out the sugar-infused pumpkin shit. We're, I'm going to call the pumpkin shit latte. From 2017 to 2022, pumpkin spice product sales increased another 47%, reaching $236 million in the 2021 to 2022 season alone. That's from The Guardian. So I trust their data. That's fucking nuts to me. There's even something literally called pumpkin spice economy which constitutes between $350 and $500 million in annual sales. I am not fucking kidding you. So that's $350 to $500 million annually. And you have to remember, this is from what? September to December? October to December? Like, horrid. Horrid. It has its its own economy. I, I'm at a loss for words. I mean, I have a script in front of me that I wrote and researched and noted and blah, blah, blah. But like, I, I really am at a loss for words. I personally can't tell you the last time I had Starbucks. Back in the day, I used to love the peppermint mocha. So I would get one a year for like nostalgia purposes, but it was never something I got regularly. It would be like, oh, I had my one this year. It was delicious. And that was it. The way people just have like a pumpkin spice latte every day, then they have pumpkin spice creamer. Maybe they're having the popcorn. Maybe they have that pumpkin spice Gouda, literally cheese. Uh, where does it end? Where do we draw the line? Anyway, seasonal products tie into feelings that we have for that season. And as we know, emotions are a powerful motivator for purchase and for food desires. So something like pumpkin spice has a very strong scent, which is another potential trigger. The sense of smell is strongly tied to emotions and memory. So what does that all mean? Well, I was actually reading, so I deal with this a lot with clients. You know, they have things tied to childhood, tied to certain memories. Why is that food so important? You know, what's the nostalgia purpose or the nostalgia factor? What purpose is it serving for them? Um, And I was reading that since the PSL or pumpkin shit latte debuted in 2003, it's very big with millennials. And some even went as far to say, I'm not kidding. I was doing legit research on this. I found an article that actually said the pumpkin spice latte was comfort and comforting during the 2008 economic crash. So we're talking about millennials. So in 2008, I mean, I personally was 18. I'm a millennial. So like people in that range, we'll say, I I don't know the exact cutoffs, but we'll say maybe people from like, they were then maybe like 15 to 30. I don't know, whatever. But during, it was it was something they had a lot of in 2008, the economic crash. Um, and then with COVID, there's been another surge of popularity in the pumpkin spice latte because it reminds us of normal life, normal fall activities, being outside, doing things you're unable to do. So the point is, people are have been tying this pumpkin spice latte, which has done very well and then had like another surge. They're saying millennials view it whether they, you know, consciously or subconsciously, they view it as a sense of comfort. Like it's something that's been there since 
times were pretty stable and normal when it debuted in 2003, but then it was still there for us during the economic crash in 2008. And then COVID, you know, we survived that, lived through that. Well, not everyone survived it, but we lived, a lot of us lived through that and times were crazy. And finally we get back to normalcy. It's like, oh, I can have my pumpkin spice latte again and go outside. I don't know if that's a reach. Like it it definitely helps us think of fall, which, you know, a lot of people's favorite season, the taste and smell are nostalgic. Absolutely. Is it a source of comfort though? Like for some, maybe, but I've, I found that to be wild. Like I don't have any food items or beverage items that resonate with me in terms of like the 2008 economic crash. Now, it could be because I was 18 and young and didn't really know what was going on. Like I knew it was going on, but like I was impacted minimally at the age of 18 by that. Um, but I just, I was like, this is wild. Like people are really reaching for for making up reasons why the pumpkin spice latte is so important and why like people just can't quit it. Um, but it's definitely a millennial thing. Like people ever like it, but I definitely think it's more of a millennial thing. It came out when we were like, you know, early te- like 10, 11, 12, 13, that, that range. Like it's something that like you would look forward to. It was fun. But I, I don't know. I think that's a bit of a reach. But my point of mentioning this is that, you know, it reminds people of their, you know, their favorite season, the taste, the smell, nostalgia. Is it a source of comfort? For some, maybe. But that said, the important part here is what do you find comfort in and why? What do you reach for when you need soothing or calming or relaxation? Why? Whether it's food, a beverage, an alcoholic beverage, a drug, why do you reach for it? What purpose does that serve for you? And when things aren't healthy, that's what we need to reflect and identify why we reach for them and figure out how to replace them with a healthier behavior or a healthier food option or a healthier beverage or whatever it is. But it's something that it comes up a lot with people in session, but especially holiday time. Um, and, you know, holidays can be tough regardless of that because there's an abundance of treats and foods and we have the traditions that we typically, you know, things we only do once a year or foods or beverages that we only experience once a year. And it's great. You should experiencing experience them. It's just hard. People have a hard time not going overboard. Um, and, you know, it's natural. The less we do things or the less we see people, the more special they become. So it makes sense why holiday foods and traditions or specific seasonal foods or beverages like the pumpkin spice latte are things we look forward to. But we also know, since it's only once a year, that oftentimes plays a role and influences our portion size and the control factor. So as I always mention, go in prepared. So I'm talking now like a holiday dinner, whether it's Thanksgiving, whether it's a Christmas feast, whether it's Hanukkah, whatever you're celebrating, whether it's a party, go in prepared, go in with a plan. It's a great way to stay on top of your habits and hold yourself accountable. If you're worried about overdoing it during the upcoming holidays, reflect on where you typically overdo it and and try to understand why. Another tip I offer is remember to balance your plate when you are building a plate at like these huge parties or buffets. Half the plate veggies, a quarter protein, a quarter starch. Eat your veggies and protein first. This will help fill you up. The the satiety factor of protein and then the fiber in veggies also induces a satiety factor. Um, And then starch last and having the protein and fiber first will help reduce that spike in blood sugar that we get typically from starch or simple sugars. So balancing your plate, eating protein and veggies first, starch last. As always, get that walk-in 
even if it's not going for a walk, if you're cleaning, get some sort of movement in right after the meal. This allows your muscles to uptake and utilize some of that glucose that's floating around in the bloodstream. So it does not spike your blood sugar as high. And as you know, my MVP, drink your water, stay hydrated, especially when you're drinking alcohol. Go into the party or the event or the dinner hydrated. Show up to the event already having hit your water goal for that day. Like make sure you're on top of it. And if you're drinking alcohol, you know, glass of water in between each drink. I'll even do sips, like a sip of, you know, whatever I'm drinking, sip of wine. And then I have a sip of water, sip wine, sip of water. But definitely, if you're not doing that, definitely you have a glass of wine, have a glass of water, have a glass of wine, have a glass of water. Go for that walk. I also say in terms of like treats and desserts, like have the dessert, have the treat. It's special. It's once a year. You want to enjoy yourself, but know your plan going in. So how will you feel if you have two pieces of pie versus one, or if you have four desserts from the buffet versus two? I find this emotion is typically for me motivating, knowing the plan in advance and acting in a way that allows me to maintain it. And if I don't stick to the plan, it's okay, but then I'm left with that feeling of like, I didn't stick to the plan. These are my intentions and I deviated. And now how am I going to get myself back on track? But I love the outlook of like, this is my plan. This is who I've been and this is who I want to be and what decisions need to be made at this event that are in line with this person who I want to be or I'm trying to be. What decisions are going to support how I want to be feeling? Because the feeling is really so much more important and lasts so much longer than, you know, that one slice of pie or that extra slice of pie. So I offer reflect on this in advance. Praise yourself if you stick to it. And if you don't, it's okay. Do not do the punishing self-loathing thing. I just say, reflect on why you didn't stick to the plan. What went wrong? Was there something specific you overlooked or were there emotions that overpowered the plan? And reflect and understand this so that next time you can prevent it from happening again. The whole point is learning from our mistakes. Now, if you're going to parties, rather than just like one large meal or dinner type thing, lots of parties, past hors d'oeuvres, cocktail hour, buffets, all that, as always, hydration. I'm going to say it again, go in hydrated, go in already having hit your goal for that day, half your body weight in ounces, more if you're working out or if you're sick or if you're sweating excessively, whatever. Do not go in starving. Like I'm not saying go in having eaten and don't eat anything, but if you go in, you know, a lot of people be like, oh, I'm saving up my, saving up my calories. So I'm going to have a really light breakfast. I'm not going to eat all day. Then I'm going to go to that party and gorge myself. Like don't do that. Eat normally. Focus on protein, fiber, hydration all day long. Do not go in starving. When you get there, scan the buffet, see what's there, and then build one plate. Don't keep going back to it and being like, oh, what is this? Oh, I'll have a plate of this. Oh, what's this? Look at everything, see what's there, pick what you want, build your one plate, and eat it and be done with it. I also always say stand away from the buffet or the door where the food trays are coming out because we're much more likely to just grab as things are being passed by us, whether it's like they're bringing hors d'oeuvres by you or if you're just like standing, if you're talking to someone just standing at the buffet table, it's easy to just mindlessly like grab something and, and be, you know, chomping on it while they're chatting or you're listening or you're in combo or whatever. So stand away, get your food, remove yourself from that area, go sit down, have a proper meal. Or if you're standing in a cocktail or it's fine, but like get away from the hors d'oeuvre door people that are, you know, the kitchen of the kitchen. And don't stand there. Also, have a drink count in mind. What day of the week is it? What do you have tomorrow? Allow yourself a drink. Allow yourself two drinks. Allow yourself three drinks. But no going in and stick to that. 
And as always, focus on the protein, veggies, healthy fats. Have a dessert, like I said, enjoy it, but you have it last, you have and you have a number in mind. So the drinks, alcoholic beverages, and desserts are things I typically say to people. Definitely have them. Enjoy yourself. But know what you're you, going with the plan. Know what you're having. And know, oh, you know, I maybe I'd rather have that third drink and skip the extra dessert. Like, okay, that's fine. That's a deal you make with yourself, but just know what you're doing in advance because you're much more likely to stick with it and feel good. And then it's not going to derail your routines. And if you do get derailed, as I always say, get back on track as soon as possible. It's not a big deal. Skip the beating yourself up. Just get back into routine. The hardest part I find with these parties and the excessive drinking and food and everything, it's more like you get off track Say it's a late night, you drink a lot, you wake up the next day, you're hungover, so you skip the workout. Like that's really where it comes into play. It's not that like, oh, I had a lot of calories today and um, I had dessert, which I don't normally have. Like that's fine. Like your body will bounce back from one day of that. It's more, oh, but now I'm hungover and I'm going to skip my workout and then I'm going to reach for foods that aren't as healthy and I'm not going to move my body. And you're just like a lug for the next day or two. And you kind of like fall out of routines. You have another party. So it happens again. So like say that happens once a week or twice a week for four weeks, that's then what kinks your long-term, kinks your habits and kinks your routines and kinks the long-term results. So just remember that. It's not like the one-off, you know, huge meal or excessive amount of sugar. Like, yeah, it's not good for you, but it's like, no, it's the routines, it's the habits, and it's really the discipline that goes hand in hand with that. And that's all, folks. 